Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. Hello, good evening. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Technology Expresso Radio. This is Jacqueline Sanders-Blackman and my co-host. Hi, Dave Blackman here. <laughs> Welcome to this edition. Uh, as you know, the, this, the, we have an ongoing series called Ask the Analyst, and I myself am a business analyst, um, and usually Coop is with me. So um, you're not going to hear Coop's voice tonight because he's running around the country doing something, training someone or workshopping someone or webinaring someone. But we, we do miss Coop, and we look forward to him being back with us in two weeks. But... In the meantime, he he left me at the helms, and 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 David and I we're all had at this. Uh, if you may remember, there was a Dave and Jacqueline show, and and we've been uh, doing Technology Expresso for what is it, four years? About that. Yeah. Uh, about four yeah. years. Yeah. So we will do Coop proud. <laughs> <laughs> well, let let me say I am in no means trying to replace Coop. He is outstanding person and business analyst professional. I am not trying to replace him here. So this is just giving the project management spin or angle on how much we appreciate business analyst community. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so, as you know, our series on Ask the Analyst, uh, this is episode 12 uh, I think I have my numbers right. Uh, and Coop and I, we started this back in November. And so please visit Technology Expresso's archive so that you can catch up on the previous series. We've talked just recently, we talked about the disbehavior types, uh, dysfunctional teams. You know, um, is it always the business analyst? Is it always the requirements? Requirements being a team sport. We've, uh, We've taken calls, and, and that's something that we do regularly on our show. We welcome those who want to call in and ask questions and, and um, let us know what other topics. What would you like to hear in the next 12 episodes? Um, you can call in tonight, and if you're on the line, which is 714-888-7506, you can press 1, and we'd love to hear from you tonight. Absolutely. Uh, Let me say uh, we like to hear from the PM community as well. Uh, the PMs and BAs, they share a common space in the requirements as the requirements mature into projects. So it's always good for PMs to get that BA spin and find out the different ways that we can support our BAs as they mature requirements. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's one of the things. Business analysis is a team sport. You, If you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard it quite often, a mantra that Coop and I repeat. 
And so anyone on the technology team, um, including testers, and we have DBAs, we have the people who do the user interfaces, the architects, um, it's a community of people that build software. And so this conversation is just about project success. It's not about a role per se. We kind of, Coop and I uh, speak to it because uh, a lot of times one thing that everybody has in common one way or another is, you know, second to the project schedule would be the requirements. We, we all live and die by how good the requirements are and then therefore how successful the solution is going to be. So this was just an area that we could kind of just sit around and talk about. And there's always room for improvement in that area, not blame, but improvement. So this is where well <laughs> this is where the Ask the Analyst series came about. And I will say one of my assignments for tonight, one of the things that I want to accomplish uh, with tonight's series was to talk about actually a workshop that Coop and I will be co-hosting um, in August. And you can sign up. You can pre-register. doesn't cost you anything to pre-register. We're doing it in conjunction with the BDPA.org uh, National Conference that's taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the conference is actually taking place the uh, 11th through the 13th. And actually, that Friday of the conference, there is an all-day workshop that, as I said, Coop and I will be co-hosting. It's going to be a very hands-on, interactive, situational-type learning. So we'll give you a case study, give you a situation. And the three takeaways, the three areas that we're teaching is negotiation, strategy, and analysis. So that's one of the things I wanted to do tonight is to speak to each of those three, talk about, you know, how important they are um, around project, project success. And as a lot of you know, too, on the show, what I often like to do is bridge the both the entrepreneur community as well as the corporate community because negotiation, strategy, analysis, it's something that you use um, whether you're on a corporate project or you're on a project for a particular client. As a matter of fact, I often say that with our entrepreneur community, you have a lot at stake. So, um, you know, that, that project can make or break a small um, organization. So these are, these are important to them as well. And that crosses all business sectors as well. Uh, there is analysis performed in each and every business sector that make up the, uh, uh, the, the business community. So uh, those skill sets are going to be utilized no matter what the business is. Absolutely. So what, that's, that's what I want to do tonight is kind of break down. And again, since we do have David, I wanted to look at it from both sides of the, the table, so to speak. And we literally are sitting across the table from each other. So to talk about... I've got the best view. <laughs> yes, the window's to my back. Uh, <laughs> but with that... Uh, oh, I get it now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but with that is uh, talking about negotiations from both the BA's perspective and the PM's perspective. So what I want to do is kind of, first of all, run through, and if you're online, you'll see the, the slide deck that is um, 
that's rotating through as you watch online. Some of you may be watching from your laptop. You can use the, the link and go through technologyexpresso.com, which speaking of which, maybe I, let me give a little infomercial here. If you go to the new website, it's the old URL, technologyexpresso.com, but it's a new look. So, um, so don't let that distract you, but uh, do visit the, the new website and you can click on the show and, and watch the show. And I have some of the, the slides that we're going to speak to. So that's if you're online, but some of you are in your car or listening. Again, when you get a chance, come back, visit the website after the show, and uh, you'll get to see some of the, the visuals that go along with what we're speaking about tonight. Absolutely. Drop us a line as well. You have an opportunity to reach out and communicate to us, uh, check out our social media streams, and a lot of other content that we've added. So uh, we look forward to engaging you, our listening community, on a whole nother level. Absolutely. So let's talk about so negotiation strategies. It's all about it starts with the with people, with people, alliances, partnerships, and that's so important in IT. Now, I'll give this one to David first, but when it comes to negotiation and your experience and maybe some of your lessons learned, what has been your experience about how important it is to making partnerships and uh, alliances as a project manager? Absolutely. It's extremely important. Uh, one of the first things you have to do is, and, and that goes with any situation, is gauging your audience, uh, determining, finding out who you're speaking to, what level they're used to speaking uh, with as um, um, as far as cross the table is concerned, and um, that'll allow you to communicate on their level and make sure you're hitting all of their points, and um, uh, and and they'll appreciate that. They really do. Exactly, and you know, this actually ties in. When I was looking at the the topic, I thought back to last week when we were talking about the DISC is D I S C behavioral types, and when it comes to negotiation, you'll also find what they call the negotiation personalities. There's different type of personalities. And when it comes to negotiation, instead of focusing on the thing or the topic at hand, focus on the personality, personality types, the, the behavior. Think about the person, um, the four negotiator personalities, or you have your analytical person. That's the person that's the planner, the thinker. You have the more practical person that's all about let's let's do, let's go, um, let's make things happen. You have the person that's kind of what they call the uh, ex- extrovert, and that's the person that likes the control, the command and control. And then you have the amenable uh, personality. That's the talker pleaser. And that may sound like, okay, you, you, you may know people in those different categories, but it actually will govern how you approach them. You definitely have to approach the thinker different than the doer, than the controller. The thinker, you might lead in with you know, particular facts, where really the doer, it more might be of the action plan. Show them how we're going to get there first and then back into, you know, all the, the justifications. The, the talker pleaser is maybe more about making sure that they understand how it's going to affect the people around them, that it's a win-win for other people. So you're more selling them on 
uh, what's in it for not just themselves, but for the people around them, because they really care about uh, people's reaction. And so maybe if you've even test done a, a test bed and can give them some examples of people's positive reactions, that's going to pique their interest. And then again, the the controller, the the controller person, not a bad, not in a bad way, but they just want to know what are going to be the parameters, the guidelines. Uh, because they just want to make sure that it's very predictable. They're not into kind of the spontaneous, just run with it type thing. So I put that out there and, and to also reference back to last week's show, because, uh, and again, Coop spoke to DISC, and he is actually certified and, and does workshops on DISC behavior types. And we talked about how to read uh, people, to understand people, and to um, then to to use that to how you approach people. So so important about the the negotiation. So again, some people think that either you're good at negotiation or you're bad at negotiation. When just like everything else, it, there's different techniques, there's tools, and there's ways to continuously get better at it. Which brings me to the next point. You know, one of the things it says is prepare, prepare, prepare. So, again, I'm going to throw uh, this to David. Can you think of an example where you had to negotiate, maybe from, you know, again, from a project management perspective, can you think about where you had to negotiate something? Maybe it was uh, competing requirements or competing timelines. Um, But what's your thoughts about preparing? How do you prepare for negotiation? Well, the one that comes immediately to mind in, in, in my line of business is timelines. Everyone's mostly concerned about the timelines. There are going to be many opportunities for your timeline to lag. Um, uh, there's a lot of risks that impact the timeline. And it's a constant negotiation because at the end of the day, you've committed to a particular timeline. And there are things that are going to impact that timeline. So, Instead of your, uh, your deliverable date becoming late or coming in early, mostly it's late. It, this, it's almost a given. It's, it's going to be late. But instead of it being late, what if no matter how late it was, it would still be on time? Imagine that. So the negotiation around that is around the timeline and the deliverables. What the business community, which is the customer or client, what role did they have in impacting the timeline as well? So there are a lot of, uh, of, of variables that do impact the timeline. And so it can come in late according to a calendar, but it could still be on time. You know, the end of the project as the client sees it, not the end of the project as um, all the other deliverables are concerned. What your infrastructure and your team and your uh, organization considers closing the product, the project. So negotiations around the timeline and the deliverables of those timelines with the client can end up being a success. And at the end of the day, the client may say, well, he maneuvered me uh, pretty well around that. And although it's three, three or four months late, we agree that it came in on time. So there's a lot of negotiation around that, around the impacts of the timeline and, and, and what the a deliverable is to the client as opposed to the overall deliverable for the project. So there's a lot of negotiation and uh, given 
uh, pull along the entire process. And, and you know, something that you, you said, because so much of what project managers deal with is the, the, the timeline, the dates, the deadlines, and is kind of putting a qualifier around what's on time. We can deliver something, but do you want something of quality? And that's something that, you know, is part of the conversation. And, again, that qualifier is helping you with your negotiations. So if someone just wants to look at black and white and says, well, this is the date, this is the date, you know, pounding on the table. But at the same time, it's like we can give you something on that date, but this is what's at risk. And that's something that, um, again, those qualifiers, that language, that terminology, that's what helps you with and um, negotiation. And and something, you know, the second part I want to say is some people think negotiations is a bad word, is that you're trying to uh, trick or you're trying to manipulate. I think that that came up. You try to manipulate people. um, And in fact, it's just about giving them additional facts, additional information, in ways, you know, influencing them to make the best possible decision. And I will, I will quote Coop here. Uh, in his absence, uh, you know, he often says that from a business analyst perspective, one of our jobs or role is to help people make good decisions. So giving them good information, giving them thorough information, that's, um, that, that's what we're here for. It's not just, you know, because there's, a lot of people from a business analyst perspective, and of course we've had conversations about the the title of business analyst, but business analysis or business analyst, you may start out feeling as if you're an order taker or someone that's just writing requirements and then, you know, on up to managing requirements. But the next level of a business analyst is actually to be an advisor, a trustee advisor, um, a consultant. So in that way, back to to his point, is about helping people, giving them the information they need to make the best in decisions. So in that, that's a form of helping to influence or persuade people. And ultimately, that, that takes you to the negotiation. Yeah, absolutely. And from the business analysis, business analyst perspective, it's important to uh, stake your claim to your profession. Uh, you're, you're not there, as you said, as an order taker. You're not there to be an order taker or just an admin. You're there to advise. So from time to time, you may have to step in and give advice where it may not be welcome or wanted, but it's needed. That's why you have to look at it as though that's why you are there. You were requested to be a part of this solution and you may have to step in and claim your your space and give the um, give the analysis or give the perspective that the uh, that the requirement needs because you, we're all here to support a requirement or a project not a person so we have to look at what's best for the requirement what's best for the project not necessarily what's best for the person but it's important to know how to deliver that information and you're absolutely right and, and and so I wanted to, to take that same question and talk about from a business analyst, you know, what our role is in negotiation. A lot of times we're a facilitator. And so one of the things, if anything, I often have to uh, make sure that the business analyst who's playing the facilitator role 
stays neutral. It's letting both sides speak, making sure that there's equal time and there's not a kind of winner or loser or taunting or getting personal. A lot of that goes into it. And I know people think, okay, we're when we're talking, we're talking about building software. But if you're not in the software industry, there it can get emotional. It can get it can get nasty. We get kind of, we get lively over here in IT. <laughs> You'll get an eye roll or two, right? If you're not if you're not uh, if you're not accepted. Oh, I, I know there's a few. I, I mean, there's a legend uh, at one company I work work worked at where uh, someone asked someone to step out in the parking lot. So it you know it gets heated. I've seen where uh, closed door meetings and uh, different things. So uh, you know, people, you know, really get into it and are, are emotionally attached to one position or another. So a facilitator's job um, is having to monitor all of that. Now, I, I'll tell you, in my experience, because we talk about the business analyst versus the, the PM, a lot of times my PM can in some ways be my sergeant of arms, so to speak. So when I've been in heated situations, as a facilitator, I'm helping to um, make sure everybody's voice gets heard and I'm looking out for everyone's feelings. But at some point, if the conversation needs to be cut off, if you know, we need to take it for a vote, if we've, we've heard all of the sides, then the project manager, again, not only do they kind of project manage the overall project, sometimes they have to project manage a meeting itself and say, hey, okay, we've heard both sides we have to make a decision because sometimes dragging out the decision actually raises the stakes and puts us at risk for a lot of different things. So I know I've experienced that. I don't know if you have had a particular experience, especially where negotiations were going on and on. And a prime example I often use is had two executive level um, management needed to make a decision about the scope of a project. And first of all, it took weeks and weeks to just get on their schedule. When we get them in there, we'd talk about things, but they would never make a decision. Another month would go by. We'd finally get them in the room. And as each month went by, we had a hard deadline because it was a compliance issue. So we went from having nine months to eight months to seven months. And finally, our project manager had to sit down and lock this in a, we had a dinner meeting and um, he locked the door, basically, and said, no one's leaving until we have a decision. That's what it takes sometimes. Yeah, because he said at that point we were down to six months. And so we were, our, our scope just kept dwindling and dwindling. And, um, and again, since it was a compliance thing, something had to be done, and we needed to get started sooner versus later mm-hmm. because we had eaten up three months with these executives just trying to make a decision. And it wasn't fair that now the developers and the rest of the team were going to be squeezed into a six-month solution. Yes, and even there are times when there's an impact to the budget as well because when you have a project or an initiative, you're given uh, – the project is given X amount of dollars. And if you run the entire duration of the project and you run out of money, that can be an issue too. So uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why you have to come to these hard decisions and, 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 the, and, and these, uh, these milestone decisions as soon as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and you know, um, let, let me go to one of my next points when it comes to the different steps 
to negotiation. One, my, our first one being prepare, prepare, prepare. The next one is uh, in regards to paying attention to details. So, um, you know, any, any thoughts that you have as far, or is there, have you ever had a scenario where you, it wasn't as clear as to um, not enough details for in the, in the negotiation process? And have you been a part of that or is that more of on your business analyst side? It's been more on the business analyst side and, um, I haven't, in some of my recent projects, I have not been as engaged as I'd like to be uh, as, as they sit with the business, developing their user stories and use cases. Uh, a lot of those, uh, those type decisions and issues come, uh, come up at that level, and I hear about it on the back end. So yeah, I don't take it personal. It's just not in my core uh, uh, responsibility. So um, you know, I just have to uh, go with the flow on that. But a lot of that goes on at that level. So I don't get as exposed to it as I'd like to. And you know that. And one of the things I want to say about paying attention to detail is going to surprise people a little bit because sometimes you have to make a decision with the information you have at hand. What I have found, and going back to the example that I just gave, is where people want more. They want more details. They want more information. They want more information. And sometimes, again, because of time and or the space we're in, sometimes you have to just go ahead and make decisions. Now, some people, and again, we talked about the different personality types, some people that drives completely crazy. And I, I have some BAs who, of course, are very detail-oriented, and they they just, you know, it, it really puts them on edge when they don't have all the information to present. And one of the things is in business, management to some extent has that mindset of being risk takers. And we know that with even entrepreneurs. They're used to taking risks. So sometimes you take the information you have at that moment and you have to make a decision. You have to do something to continue to move forward. Right. What I do find, and I can tie this to project management for sure, is that sometimes we don't go back and incrementally just kind of do some tweaking based on those decisions as we learn new things. And and what I mean by that is that what I have found is that, you know, at a high level, we scope out the project and we determine usually the deadline and the budget. Then two months into it, We've learned things. We've gotten exposed to more things. We're talking to more people. But do we change the timeline or the budget? No. <laughs> you could. You actually could. But but you don't find that that often in um, in in the, the environments that I've been in. I think that that step is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a luxury. Well, uh, in my business, well, what I've been involved with mostly is uh, architecture, building building clouds basically to support the software uh, that you and your team are, are defining, developing, or onboarding. Uh, we run into that a lot lately. And what we'd have to do is we'd go back to the business and have them do a change request. So there is a process for, um, or scope creep so much, pretty much to say, you know, it's expanded. Well, we don't need, um, we need more storage than we originally thought. So uh, we have to do a change. It'll go through the same process, and here's more money. Here's more uh, 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 funds. So there's a there's a vehicle for that in the project management world. Um, uh, 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 you know, 
from, from my perspective, from building where we're building architecture and uh, building private clouds for uh, software uh, that supports our clients. So there's a vehicle for that. And, you, you know, what's interesting is that that's, that's an important point that what I find is, again, you're on the hardware side. So when you say we need more memory, we need another server, we need another rack, whatever the case may be, um, there's something physical, tangible with a priceless. People don't always associate that with software. It's like, I want another button on the screen, and I want the screen to, you know, I want a little man to jump across the screen and, and twirl and do cartwheels, and I want video, and I want, you know, retina scanners, you know, on my a laptop. They want to add all these things to the software, but they don't see, they don't, it doesn't seem like a real cost to them for, you know, people just have that in their mind, you know, and I, I said, you know, we're spoiled by that mobile app mentality. It's like you can go out there and search and get free apps all day long and download those. Those are software that someone written. And then, you know, the minute that that app has that pop-up ad, you know, and says, uh, would you, would you want to get the upgraded version for nine ninety nine? You know, we're like, no, I'm not going to pay for this. So I almost think people don't think that you pay, you know, doesn't see the cost yeah, of software. Yeah, yeah. We traced it back, uh, uh, sometimes and um, it's, it goes back to the software and the true requirement. Well, we, we, we didn't scope it accurately and we, we need um, uh, two servers as opposed to one server. We need uh, 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 10 gigabytes worth of storage instead of four. So uh, it, it comes from the requirement side. Right, right. And and like I said, I think that 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 has a specific cost. So then there's no way it's like it's not going to happen unless somebody um, incorporates it in the budget, makes an adjustment. And 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 like I said, sometimes and it may not even be intentional that it was missed. You guys made a decision on the information you had. We had the same thing on the software side. And when, like I said, again, they, in or as we're building it, they just say, oh, yeah, and I want this, too. And, and while we're, you know, while we're at it, can we do that? You know, whatever their mind can conceive, but they're not putting a price tag to it. So I wish we had a um, price list similar to you guys have on hardware that every time they want to add a button and add a field and, and add, you know, some new functionality that they can think of, um, that they could see a price list and what it costs um, from not only just the development, and then you have to have the testers to test what was developed. You have to have the business analysts that have to do the necessary due diligence to make sure that the um, – What's that? Ad, what's being asked is you know completely detailed out. Yeah, so it's add, tricky. And the uh, impact on the timeline as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I say that, and and just for those who have dialed in and are listening, you're listening to Jacqueline Sanders Blackman and David Blackman. You may have been expecting Coop, and uh, Coop has the night off. 
but uh, he's still allowing us to host our own show <laughs> and talk on tonight's topic. So uh, I'll make sure he gets the uh, transcript and he can grade uh, to see what he agrees or doesn't agree with, you know, so he can add in uh, his comments. He'll be back with us in two weeks, of course. And um, some of you may have noticed we rotate between uh, an afternoon show, uh, a lunch uh, lunch hour, and an evening show. So tonight is the evening episode. And so in two weeks, we will be back. And he assured me he'd be ready to go. And that's going to be on June 7th. And that'll be the lunch hour. But any of our shows are available in our archive. So if lunch doesn't work for you or the evening doesn't work for you or a particular day, you can always go back to our archive. Uh, the best way is to go through one of our portals, which we have one online, which is technologyexpresso.com, um, and or we have a mobile app. And we've launched uh, and up, updated our mobile app as well. You can go to the Play Store. You can go to iTunes and look for Technology Expresso. And we have an app. And our app just makes it really easy for you to uh, get to any of our social media, just like David mentioned, uh, our, our website. We're just trying to make it very easy, very convenient for you to go to our app, see what events, when we're teaching, where we're speaking. You can also go to see our Facebook postings, our Instagram postings, our YouTube videos. Absolutely. So we have... We, we have such a big range right. of social media platforms. We've got to give the people what they want, and that's what they've asked for. We've listened, we've learned, we've leveraged, and we've launched. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the other things that is very cool also about the, the website, and we, and we also have this vehicle um, in our mobile app, is that you can record a voice message on the mobile app, and it'll send it to us, and we'll play it back on the air. So if you have a comment, um, if you want to talk about an event, if you want to talk about an organization that promotes STEM, you just do the recording right in the app, and it'll send it directly over to us. So, And then, um, of course, you can always connect with us via email, technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Um, and or you can leave a message at 855-484-6837. Again, it's 855-484-6837. Leave us a message. And we like playing back messages on the air. Absolutely. And that phone number, by the way, folks, is at the top of our webpage. So 855-484-6837. And if you scroll down to, you'll see a list of our most recent shows and the search bar functionality that's on the blog talk radio. You go there and put in the exact reference of the show that you're looking for. If it's Coop's name, put his name in. If there's someone else that you know that have done an interview with us, you can put their name in and put in Technology Expresso, or just their name. It's sure to pop up, and you'll listen to your favorite show. Absolutely. And tonight's topic is around negotiation. And what you guys are hearing is David's giving us the project management point of view. I'm giving the business analyst point of view. And the, the topic of negotiation is part of a trilogy of topics, the negotiation, strategy, and analysis 
um, and the whole analytical thinking. And those are part of a uh, workshop series that Coop and I will be hosting live. So we're kind of, over the next uh, three episodes, we're going to take each one of those topics. So when Coop comes back, we'll probably finish up and get his comments on negotiation. Then we'll talk about strategy, and then we'll talk about analytical thinking. Um, And this is all in preparation for the workshop. The workshop is actually taking place uh, in Atlanta at the Peachtree Weston, the same time as the BDPA.org National Conference. And you actually can register through the BDPA.org website. You don't have to attend the whole conference. You can just register for that one-day workshop. The workshop will take place on Friday, August 12th. Uh, You can take all three segments, and the segments will be a hands-on kind of situational where we'll give you a case study in a situation, and you'll work through actual negotiation, and then we'll do one where you have to come up with a strategy, and then the third situation where you have to use kind of analytical thinking to break down a a problem and uh, to get to the root cause. So, these, this is going to be a great workshop, and you will get a uh, certificate from B2T at the end of the workshop that will have both PDUs and CDUs. Uh, and again, the PDUs for the PMI, if you're either currently um, have your certification through the PMI and or if you're looking to get your certification, those PDUs are uh, very valuable. And the same with CDUs as it relates to the IIBA. So if you have any questions about the workshop, you can either email us at technologyexpresso at gmail.com or you can also um, email B2T Training. You can email Coop directly, K U P E at B2T Training.com or to myself, uh, Jacqueline at B2T training.com. Absolutely. And if you're on the website, there is a contact us tab. So you can go right to the website and drop us an email that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk just a little bit more with our audience. And again, if there's someone on the line and you want to press one and you want to say hi to us tonight, uh, would love to, to hear from you. Always welcome our listeners. Uh, if you jump into the queue, Jovan, our sound engineer, will just check in with you and get your name and then get you queued up to talk to us, um, as with any episode. And uh, just want to give shout-outs to Jovan. Also, we uh, our interns, one of them, Anisha, uh, just graduated, but she's always been a big help. <laughs> Kudos to her. Congratulations, Anisha. Uh, exactly. And um, we she does our transcripts for us. Um, and that said, since she is graduating, um, we do have a couple of open positions for more interns because we're growing and expanding. So if we have some young people out there listening, and if you like, you could even co-host a show with us. Uh, we, we let our interns uh, co-host. So, um, and you might be hearing from one of our interns very soon. Uh, Solis did an interview, as you recall. And uh, she'll be returning and uh, doing some shows. So, Where do I know that name from? Uh, well, you, you named her, I think, <laughs> at birth. But that said, <laughs> um, let's talk about negotiation. People are here and they want to hear about negotiation. 
you know, we talked about being prepared. We talked about understanding different people and their personalities. We talked about paying attention to details. But, again, be careful because sometimes you got to go with the information you have and then just set up your touch points to, to revisit um, as you learn new information. The other things uh, about negotiation, it says leave behind your ego. So I don't know if that's directed to the person doing the negotiation or the person doing the facilitation or all of the above. But in fact, um, in fact, that's, that's what you really have to watch for. When we talk about as facilitators, um, one of the big things is watching for people and it getting personal. Um, and so, and, and I don't know, have you had in your real world experience where ego came to, to play? Maybe talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you, you're in a big community. There are a lot of powerful people in these, uh, in these conference calls, in these meetings, uh, as you, as you're negotiating the terms of the, um, uh, you know, of the engagement, negotiating the terms of the requirement, uh, it goes to a lot of different a lot of different places. So yes, you you get a lot you get a lot of different personalities uh, on the call, and you have to manage that. There's a in project management and business analysis. There's a lot of psychology actually that goes into that in managing these pretty powerful egos. You could have the the most powerful person in on the call be dead wrong. Mm. And you have to manage that. Not not calling that individual out, but just manage the information. Uh, uh, take it as a, a note and and move on and get other perspectives as well. But it's, it's really a craft. And there's a lot of psychology, as I say, once again, that goes into managing these negotiations or, or just managing or facilitating a meeting. Uh, it, it's the same skill set. And, and you're, you're so right. And sometimes, and, and this is what I think sometimes on both sides of the table, you have to watch your ego because I've seen people who feel like, just like what you said, okay, that person's wrong. I'm right. And they're so vested in proving that they're right. Sometimes they don't really read the room well and know that this isn't the time or the place. Um, I've seen it go, I've seen it go both ways where whether my manager was wrong and quite honestly, whether I was wrong, I've seen my manager back me up a hundred percent and then take me after the fact and said, did you mean it that way or did it, you know, how, you know, and, and sometimes we had to do a little, let's be honest, a little damage control. But the reality is, is that that person had my back or I had their back as well. And I, I, I know this, especially I think with youth, I've seen, I remember um, years, you know, going back years ago in my own experience and youth in your mind, it's more about being right but sometimes it's also about the right timing. Right. And you, you learn that sometimes you can be right and you were wrong at the time that, that the way you presented it. I so funny. you were right, but at the wrong time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your timing. And, and, you know, one of the things, like you said, you're not, you don't call an executive out in front of their peers. You don't really, you don't call anyone out in front of their peers. And, 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 um, 
and there's always opportunities to correct you know even that that wrong information mm-hmm. that that might initially went out mm-hmm. you know you can always you know run it back after the fact but you just got to watch and who you're in the presence Absolutely. of at the time in in the community we call that managing stakeholders yeah and you can have negative stakeholders that bring a, a negativity. Uh, they could be ex- extremely intelligent and bring a lot to the table as far as the requirement or the the executive uh, decisions that need to be made. Uh, but they could bring a negative air to the environment, and you have to manage that. You have to focus on the content and not the de- and not the delivery, and don't let it be you the one that um, says, "Well." Let's cancel the meeting. Let your executives uh, uh, manage that. So it, you, you may have to, uh, uh, you know, you, you may have to cancel the meeting. You know, if it takes on too much of a negative tone and it's, and it's counterproductive, it, you know, you may have to cancel the meeting and, and let your executives know how it went and, and, for, uh, and look for direction and how to manage the uh, negative stakeholders. Yep. Uh, and what we do in facilitation is even within a meeting, just call a timeout. One of the things that that we talk about and we coach people in our training is, you know, sometimes you get to use silence is just give everybody a minute just to catch their breath. Um, you know, let everything settle down. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, the other piece too is using paraphrasing, which is just kind of reading back, doing a summary back to everyone. So this, this is where we are. Let's, let's just all pause, uh, stop with the back and forth and let's just go over the what we've covered so far. And sometimes, because you mentioned, sometimes the person with the highest uh, rank may be the person that's the most wrong in the room or, you know, but sometimes what they need to do also is hear what they've said. And so what we, we talk about this in facilitation, you can read something back to someone. And I, I know I've done that verbatim and they'll say, no, that's not what I said, or that's not what I meant. And at that point, though, especially what we call auditory learners, you're so busy talking, you actually don't even hear yourself. We talk about, you know, good listening skills sometimes, and and we've all probably had this experience, and the heat of trying to get your point across, you know, you're just going at it and and talking and, and, and so passionate about something that you're not even hearing yourself. So sometimes the pause and the paraphrasing isn't just because you heard, you need to repeat it or make sure you heard it right. They sometimes need to hear, you know, need a, a bit of a mirror, auditory mirror to hear what they've said and what they're putting out there and give them an opportunity for them to even uh, correct themselves. And so, you know, that along that, the, the combination of, you know, be careful of egos, yours, theirs, and everyone else's in the room on both sides. And you've got to protect egos and those people who come with strong egos. And, and I think that's often the case with what you call the negative stakeholders is the ego thing. Um, recognize it and try to work around it and, you know, try not to let it become the issue and, um, you know the squeaky wheel in the room that gets all the attention. Absolutely, so. absolutely. You 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 have an opportunity to if it's a challenge to your your craft, and sometimes it is. You 
you know, you take that negativity and, it's, and it, you take it as a challenge to your craft. You can still stick to your principles, but you have to manage your attitude and the way you respond to negativity. You know, it's, it's like a basketball court. You know, you, you see everyone sees in the corner of their eye that first punch or that, or, you know, or in football after the play, uh, that first punch. But everyone looks back to see how that person's going to respond to that. So uh, you have to manage how you respond to negativity. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the, next, the next item on our list, it talks about make sure and ramp up your listening skills. And, um, you know, the, one of the things, and I'm actually going to, again, I'm channeling Coop um, on this one, and that there is a lot more to both active listening is what we call it uh, than meets the eye. Uh, a lot of people who may think that they're good listeners, um, but one of the things that he often talk, brings up is the improv. And, you know, I'm not going to in any way try to cover that topic like he does. Uh, so please do listen to some of our previous episodes because Coop drops in a little bit about the improv in, in all of our episodes. So if you, if you go back and uh, go to our archives, but he, as a lot of you may know, that is, he for some time was professionally doing improv and acting and um, comedy. And one of the things that I like and what he applies to business analysis is that in improv, you don't say no. So whatever the last activity the person did, you're supposed to kind of pick up where they left off and just continue the act going. And so he said that the concept that he teaches actually in an improv workshop for business analysts is whatever someone else, the last thing they said, agree, find a way to agree, find something in it that you have in common with what they said, and then expand upon it with what additional information you have to offer. And I see people with that technique and, and are very good at it. And it doesn't mean that you're patronizing them in any way, but you at least first acknowledge what they said before you come back with, you know, what would be a rebuttal. And I think so many times we kind of start off and something he says is when you're having that back and forth or that negotiation, avoid the word, but because, but is negating what they said. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, you know, it's saying, you know, and, and when people hear the, <laughs> when we say, when they hear the, but they stop listening because it's like, okay, you disagreed with me. And so It'd be interesting if we could, have, you know, you could see what people were really thinking when an argument is going on because when they cut off their listening, all they're doing is trying to mount their next counterattack, their next verbal counterattack. So it's like, I'm not listening to what you said. I just know I've got, I'm going to have a good comeback. And then nobody's listening to each other. You can also, you can also table uh, the area of conflict or challenge. If it's a if it's a technical issue or a theoretical or directly impacts the solution or the requirement, you can always table it uh, for the next meeting, uh, or get or 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 have a separate meeting around that conflicting area and keep uh, and, and keep the project or the negotiation 
moving forward and just address the uh, that area later when uh, either uh, a cooler heads have prevailed or it gives you an opportunity to get more information and it gives uh, you, you, who's across the table more, an opportunity to get more information as well. And, you know, the, and that's so tricky because, unfortunately, it seems like in corporate America, we're always in a hurry. We we always are behind the eight ball. And we need to get decisions, and we got to keep moving. And, you know, unfortunately, the project managers get blamed a lot of time with always like, there's never enough time. We got to we gotta go. We got to decide. We don't have that, that luxury. Well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, I just used that technique. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're deferring the conversation. Yes. Um, and, and so in corporate America, so many times it's, it's that we're always behind the eight ball and that, that, but, but I will say that, and that's the technique that we um, do mention in our uh, B2T training too, is not every decision has to be made right this moment is that again, again, agile, I think does this very well and that, you know, let's focus on a small chunk of it. That's what we'll focus on for the sprint, the decisions we have to make related to the stories for that sprint. It's what we're focused on. So what you don't try to do is make every decision that ever has to be made about everything that's in the backlog for the life of the project at the starting gate. That's not what, that, that's not agile. And the thing is, is that what, what I always advocate is that you can take concepts of agile and apply it across anything. So sometimes when, and to your point, I think when you're in the heat of a conversation or negotiation and you're trying to decide uh, and and it's just not coming or you just don't have enough information, the question that the facilitator or media organizer might need to put on the table is what happens if we don't have this answer today? Can we defer this just for a day for, you know, to the end of the week? How much time do we have before this becomes a critical path, you know, a showstopper? If not, then maybe we don't have to make that decision right now. So valid points in, in different ways from, you know, I'm just kind of bringing that back into perspective from the facilitator's perspective, mm-hmm. things you can do, things you can say to to see. Maybe you guys are trying to hammer it out and nail people down and, we, we, we've got another 28, 48 hours or, or maybe even a week. Yeah, I, I agree with the perspective that um, everything does not need to be settled at that point in time. As a, as a facilitator, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a power move in that scenario, and I'm going to say, well, let's table that discussion or let's put that uh, conflict area or let's put that ambiguity to the side and move on to the next topic. I'll make note of that and we can revisit it offline and have clarity around it by the next meeting. So I'm going to make a power move at that point and, and, and put it to the side. Uh, you know, that's my role, actually. That's my job. And as a facilitator, whether it's a project manager or a BA, because, uh, you know, when you're at the requirement state, uh, software requirements, or even just the concept, you know, uh, managing or uh, facilitating that communication, that's your role. You have to, sometimes you might have to take a power, a power move and shelf it and, and let cooler has prevail. I think everyone will respect you uh, for that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you have to read every situation because again, um, you, you, everything can't be deferred, 
but um, you've got to make that, that put it on the table. It's still worth putting it on the table. And, and that, you know, oddly enough, takes us to the next point, which is if you don't ask, you don't get. And um, I think that's a, a perfect one uh, to round out our first six points of, of negotiation. But, um, and that can apply to so many things. If you don't ask, you don't get. And um, that even goes back. <laughs> Let's talk about job offers and job negotiations. Uh, because, again, as we're talking about negotiations and the skills that um, we're, we're talking about that you'll learn in the workshop that Coop and I are going to do, it doesn't just apply to on the job or on the project. Negotiation is so important about um, getting the salary you want, getting the benefits you want, getting the position uh, that you want. So, you know, in IT, and we talk about this quite a bit, IT, we find ourselves uh, that, you know, you don't just get into one role and stay in that role for 10, 20, 30 years. IT changes, I almost say as fast as the uh, cell phone models change. So because we're so dynamic, we have to negotiate quite a bit. So I want to ask you your perspective because you've been through your fair share of uh, salary negotiations. And, you know, this ties into to another series of shows that we have uh, talking to military veterans because when you're coming from the military, you really don't negotiate your salary per se. Um, And so that's something new when you make your transition into corporate America that now you find yourself negotiating salaries, benefits, positions, titles. What's your experience um, from that perspective, negotiating salaries and and that that transition does the does the army as you're getting out do they prepare you for that or is it some stuff that you've just picked up along the way? It's a little of both actually. Um, as you're leaving the military, you go. They do offer a um, a program. Back when I was coming through, it was called TAP, Transition Assistance Program, and you go through resume building, negotiation, and now. Uh, I'm a little out of touch lately, but I'm sure I can almost guarantee that um, uh, salary negotiations is a part of that. Um, everyone's skill sets have changed, and, um, and and you have a lot of value. You bring a lot to the table. So, uh, you know, you get to do a little homework before you get into those situations, just like anyone does. Um, the uh, transition assistance program will help you uh, if you ask the right questions gauge the market for your skill set and uh, determine what the going salary and what the rates are for an individual of your caliber and your skill set. And that will help you in your negotiation and not just taking uh, what's offered to you as, as if those, as if they're orders, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, well, we'll, we'll, we'll give you this much. And you say, okay, yes, sir. And you go for it. No, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have an opportunity to negotiate. Um, and, and in my business now, um, you find out there's always a range. There's always a, a range. So it's, uh, it's okay to ask what's the range. 
and uh, start and shoot for the middle of that range because you don't want to overprice uh, yourself. You don't want to price yourself out of an opportunity. Um, you're coming in at middle uh, near the end as a military, as a retired military, you've got uh, your own military benefits, so you've got some wiggle room. Um, uh, you got a lot of wiggle room, so you can either come in at a at, at a uh, attractive rate that you know they will accept and that you know you can live with. It's better than you expected. Um, you've got a lot of wiggle room. There's a lot of a lot of things that go into your decision making around that. So know that you have that room. Know you can ask for a range and not particularly ask how much. Are they paying? Because that's uh, you know that that's not the best way to approach it. So asking for the range is the best way to approach it, whether it's a permanent position or contract position. Yeah, and I think that um, you know uh, initially when you're trying to get the interview and that type of thing, uh, typically they say you know you you keep the conversation and and keep it high level, keep it at a, a range, a lot like you do with any negotiation. You don't go into um, the, the the specifics now as you once you you know kind of get to the place where you're being offered the job and the position then you got to kind of change your thinking because and it goes back to something we said at the top of our list prepare 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 so do your homework be able to speak to your value as it is compared to what they're asking for and this is something that I think is quite common in IT is that they're going to ask, they, they want this multifaceted, um, multi-certification, industry-specific experience. They want you to be able to be part PM, part VA, and I, and I love when they even put in the description and anything else we can think of pretty much is what that, that final line is saying. And they want this, you know, multifaceted person, but then they want to give a starting type salary to to some extent. And one of the things that you have to realize is that they're not going to find this person that has it all. But what you're negotiating is what makes you, what unique combination do you have that meets, whether we say 80% of their needs and then where your tenacity, your, um, creativity and just your ability to, to learn and be a self-starter makes up that 20%. Absolutely. And I think that it, the better you know yourself and the better, because at this, that point, it's a confidence game too. Yes. You're, you're, if you don't believe what's on your resume and you don't believe the, what you're bringing to the table, then you're going to look at it as um you know, I'm lucky that they made me an offer. You've got to get into your own head when it comes to negotiating, especially for yourself, um, in that you have to value what you bring to the table. Absolutely. Um, and and they, they get, they, they're going to read you, you know, just like you're reading them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was taught and this is a sidebar that someone told me is don't ever take the first offer. Um, if you think about it as a negotiator um, and think about it when you're going to buy a car, the f- very rarely, and I don't know of a, a car lot that you can go to that anyone takes this, what's on the sticker. 
you know, the, you pretty much look at the sticker and say, that's the starting point. So I'm going to take them down. They're going to tell me they can't. You know, we're going to do this this kind of negotiation back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So why not think of that the same way about your salary, but flip it where it's like, why aren't I at the high end of that range? Mm-hmm. And then then not only convince them, but convince yourself. I am the high end of that range. As a matter of fact, I'm probably beyond that high end of the range. And don't think, because again, I've I've been one of those people who made that range and wrote up those job postings. There's always more than that high end of the range. And the thing, and I'll tell you this, find out how long they've been looking for a candidate. It's David and I, we do this quite a bit. We we look on Zillow and like to see houses that are on the market. And what happens if a house has been on the market for a long time? Oh, we got some room to negotiate, right? Absolutely, absolutely. The same goes with the job. So how long had they been looking in or had they had a lot of turnover or had they had a, you know, explosive growth all of a sudden um, and they really need to fill those positions? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you sit there and you convince them, hey, I'm, I'm the one you need. Yeah, and, you know, there's no one else like me. And this is what it's going to cost you. Right, right. I may not be the most knowledgeable. I might not be the most educated, but I'm the best fit. Right. And it's not necessarily what you know and what your particular skill set brings, because you wouldn't have gotten the interview if they didn't recognize your skills. What's most important, I think, and uh, recently is how I relate to the most uh, adjacent skill sets and individuals I'll be involved with. So how well do I understand the BA role as a PM? How well do I understand the engineers? As a PM, you're in the middle of a lot of these scenarios. And as a BA, you can always find the middle no matter what position you're in. Uh, Even if you're in the industrial, as a welder, how well do you you, uh, uh, work with the, the architects, you know? How well do you work with the plumbers? How well do you work with the uh, carpenters? So you have a particular skill set. It's how well you can become a part of that team, understanding the adjacent roles to help move the project or the initiative forward. Uh, If you are well-versed in a lot of the terminologies that the BAs use and their particular skill sets, throw that out there. If you know engineering, if you if you know servers, you know how to build servers, you know how to uh, manage uh, storage, you know uh, uh, networking, IPs, uh, you know you know um, a lot about different architectures or designs. Throw that out there. Let them know how aware you are of the uh, uh, related skill sets that you'll be working with. That's going to. That's what's going to separate you and uh, separate you from the rest of the pack. I believe. No, that that's a good point, and and I'll tell you something that's very important to hiring managers is how you're going to uh, meld with my team, so to speak. How you're going to merge because you can get someone that on paper uh, has all the the skills and the knowledge and the certifications, but they're disruptive to the team, the energy of the team, the personalities of the team. Um, And it can 
set back the, 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 the team because they're trying to bring you along or, again, like I said, it, it's just, and sometimes we refer to it as kind of like the cancer of the team, that you can bring the whole team down. Um, so that's one of the things. You, you could bring someone in and that person, and, and I'll be honest, I've seen both spectrums where someone was way too high energy, where you, and, and, uh, and it goes back to even what Coop had mentioned it, um, last call about the different behavior types. Um, and so understanding what behavior type your group is and then what's the right fit for someone coming into that behavior type. Um, someone that's social and on all the time versus an analytical team that really just needs, you know, that, that energy to focus and think and um, just kind of be introspective. You've got to have that right balance. So, um, but then at the same time, you, t- you leverage that person that is that more extroverted. They're going to be one of your top facilitators for the team, whereas some of those that are introspective, they may not uh, perform as facilitators, but they're great at analysis. So it's, it's about a balance. And the other thing that I wanted to speak to that, that you mentioned is that because we've kind of turned this into salary negotiations and, and uh, that you have to think about, a lot of people look at their resume and you look at their skills and their knowledge. But when you're in that interview and when you're in negotiation, the third thing you bring to the table is your ability. So you have an ability to learn. So really your resume is a history of examples where you've learned and adopted and became a part of a group and, and contribute to that organization. So you have to make sure that in the interview you talk about how well you're able to adapt or to uh, pick up skills, uh, apply things, um, fit within the team like you were talking about. So talk about just your abilities. Don't make the focus just on your skills and your knowledge because on the job, every job, especially in IT, you're going to pick up a whole new skill set, a whole new uh, way of doing things because you need to be and they're going to want you to be flexible to their environment. So that that's the other piece too. So it's just about, again, do your homework, um, come at a position of negotiation and confidence, um, know yourself well enough to know what points that you're selling to them um, and, and make sure that they understand that they're, they're getting something out of this too. And always, you know, even ask yourself, look at that high end of that range and say, why aren't I at that high end of that range? And once you're able to, can, you know, come up with your criteria of why you're at the high end of the range, then ask yourself, why aren't I 10% more than that range? Uh, because, like I said, there's there's usually the, the wiggle room. Back to my analogy about that house that's been sitting for a while. So just keep, keep those in mind. Um, and, you know, that takes me to one of our, our next points. It talks about anticipate compromise. So anticipate that they're going to try to lowball you. <laughs> anticipate they're going to say, oh, no, no, we, we don't have it in our budget. This is the, the high end. And, um, you know, that's why sometimes, and I've talked to a few people that are, you know, looking for different positions, you're a lot more comfortable if you already have a, a job or a position. And they know that. So 
you can leave it. You can walk away. You you don't have to take their offer. Um, and I know more than one story where people walked away from negotiations and they called them back. It might have been a week later and it might have been nerve wracking. You do have the option of walking away. And it's it's just like what you said. It's just like what you said about um, when you're, you know, on a, in a project meeting and things are getting heated and you just say, hey, let's take a time out. It's the same thing when you're doing negotiation for the salary. If you guys can't meet somewhere in the middle where you're comfortable with, and this is one of the things, if you, again, like I said, if you have a, a job and, and you have income and you have the luxury of saying this is my bottom line, this is my minimum, stick to it. Because the worst thing that happens is you take a position and from the day you walk in, you resent it. I should be paid more. Let alone, let alone, <laughs> if for whatever reason, people, you're never supposed to talk about salary, but for whatever reason, people find out what other people make. And so that, that day when you find out I'm not even being paid the highest, it's all bets are off. And so you're miserable at that job. And I've, I've said that in negotiations that, you know what, I'd really like us to come to a, a place where we don't have to have this conversation in six months or nine months or 12 months uh, about where I should be. Um, I want to be comfortable where I am and anything thereafter is, would be a nice to have. And, and, and I've said that because I don't like the, the kind of, well, we can give you this now and then we'll touch base in six months. I already know what I'm going to deliver. I know you're getting a good product. So let's just go ahead and let's pay what you're, you're, you're getting here. And then we don't have to have that conversation again. So that's one of the things too. It's not always easy, but when you do have that opportunity, you can negotiate. Let me put it this way. You can negotiate a lot harder when one of your options is I can walk away from this. And, and, and keep that in mind. Don't feel like you have to take whatever they give you, especially if you're going to resent it later. Absolutely. And, and you know, by, by this time, you know what your range is. And you, you know what's going to make or break you and what you can accept and what you will not accept. So, uh, yeah, stick to your guns. Absolutely. And, and that's what I want. Stick to your principles. Stick to your bottom line. You know, the other thing, and this is a good one that people don't always think about, too, don't absorb other people's problems. Um, and, and this goes both ways, and I think you, you, you can chuckle at this because we've had this experience, too. I've literally had people, and, and I'm going back to the um, in negotiating for a job or an opportunity, that they start, you know, and again, we've been in coaching positions, so people are talking to us and saying, I need a job. And they start telling me the reasons they need a job because they have bills and they have mortgages and they have kids in college. The, the person you're negotiating with, that's not their concern. Their concern is, so you know, I, I, actually, you're probably scaring them because they're sitting there thinking, how are you going to concentrate at work with all these issues you have? You're supposed to be coming to them. Your position of negotiation is this is what I'm going to do for you, for your company. This is what I'm going to contribute. Your team is going to be so much better if I join, that's, not the fact that you have bills. Right. That's a detractor. It, it actually is because that, to me, that says, okay, that's not what I want to hear. And that's what worries me. 
that this person is not going to say the right thing at the right time, or they're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, just like they're doing right now. And they may be very talented, but uh, there's a gap there. And uh, uh, there's a skill set that I'm looking for. And the skill set that they just displayed is one that I don't want. So, uh, you know, when you're hiring, as a hiring manager, you had to pick at the litter, actually. You know, there's a lot of people out here with the same skill set, but who's going to impress you? How are they going to impress you at the right time? Someone can impress you and, and walk right by you and not say a word to you. And that was an opportunity. But, you know, there's going to be the right person at the right time. And the smallest things can turn off someone trying to fill a position. You just don't know what can turn someone off. You could bump into them and uh, not say, excuse me, and then start a conversation and come to find out there's an opportunity there. But you not get that opportunity because you are rude. And and that may be something uh, that rubs them the wrong way. Or maybe they're rude. Maybe they're, uh, you know, in a bad uh, place. But um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And the one, I'll, I'll say this, the, the one opportunity you don't get, every opportunity you don't get brings you one step closer to the one that you do. Okay. So don't, don't let it weigh on you a lot. Learn from everything. Absolutely. But, uh, and, and again, so, so there are other point here is, you know, don't absorb their problems, but at the same time, don't dump your problems on other people negotiation and if you find yourself getting off track in the conversation bring it back to again you know like a company can tell you well we're a small company we can't afford to give you this salary we can't afford to do that um you you know they and again this is them dumping their problems on you and what you want to do is bring it back to i understand that but at the same time i'm going to do this for your organization, I'm going to bring this with what I have to offer you. I know that sales would increase. I know that we're going to see success, and so it'll all pay its, you know, self off in the end. So bring them back to again what you have to bring to the table, um, and that's the same with again if you're in a meeting, a project meeting, a team meeting as a business analyst or project manager. Sometimes you got to bring people back. Um, they'll get off topic, the emotions get thrown in, we start rehashing history, and at the bottom line is we're just we're just all over the place, and we got to bring it back and take everybody's luggage off the table, we have to take everybody's emotion out of it, and um, just bring it back to the key point. And this is where, from a business analyst, we always talk about having your agenda, having things that are in the parking lot. These are the tools and techniques from a professional perspective to keep people on the right topic, to keep them focused. Because with a lot of people, personalities, behavior styles, um, it, 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 you can get pulled off topic or uh, down a rabbit hole, as they often say, so easy, so quickly. And that's something you, as a facilitator, again, and, and you might not carry the title of facilitator, but if it's your meeting, then you're facilitating and you, you want to be, you know, you, you want to be at that, um, you want to keep the group together. You want your meetings 
to be recognized as ones that are well facilitated. Um, so, you know, we've, we've gone through our list. We've, we've talked about and covered a lot of different areas. We've talked about project management, business analysis. You know, this isn't a mix. It's, it's usually BA to BA with Coop and, and I. So this is uh, really refreshing and, you know, a great topic uh, to our audience again. This is part of a trilogy, Negotiation, uh, Strategy, and Analytical Thinking, a three-part workshop uh, that will be hosted by Coop and myself at the BDPA National Conference that is taking place in Atlanta at the Peachtree Weston, uh, August 10th through the 13th. Our actual workshop is August 12th. You do not have to register for the whole conference to attend the workshop. You can just take that that workshop. But do encourage you to visit bdpa.org and uh, check out the the conference and the activity. Um, you know, you probably heard us talk about BDPA uh, before. The the it's all about minorities in IT organizations. Been around for 40 years. Each year. The chapters from all over the nation, we have over 47 chapters in the United States, uh, bring a group of uh, high school students to compete for computer competition. And then there's a big gala on Saturday night, awards, as well as recognition of uh, top diversity uh, organizations, individuals uh, who have contributed to diversity. So, And this year, we've got a, a couple of special events, including a uh, women's luncheon on Saturday morning. So join us uh, for that. Um, Also, there will be the golf tournament, the annual golf tournament that you participated in last year. And won. (laughs) Oh, you're okay. Winning team. So uh, I think you got the real nice jacket, right? Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's always a great event. Uh, The, the, that whole, uh, it's not a, a full week, but it runs usually three or four days. It's always a great event, no matter where they hold it. And it's always capped off by a career fair. And let me tell you, this is an opportunity for you to rub elbows and engage some very high-profile people, uh, not just not just at the career fair itself where all the vendors and all your different companies have a booth and representatives there to speak to, but BDPA members themselves. We are all in some way, shape, or form a part of some great organization. We're all working for one, and, you know, and there's always intern opportunities at the companies we work for. So come to these, uh, come to this event and, and bring your a attitude, bring your attitude and be engaging, shake a hand, me, hi, I'm so-and-so. And they'll tell you who they are, what company they work for, or you just ask them uh, who are you with, who are you with? <laughs> you know, and and they'll tell you who, you, what company they're working for. They say, hey, are there any opportunities? You, you know, come wanting something. If you if you want education, if you want knowledge, if you want a career, uh, they're about making careers, not just jobs. We're looking to place place people in careers. Uh, that's what makes the world go around. That's what employs individuals. That's what keeps families fed. Careers, not just jobs. So come out, um, bring your knowledge, bring your attitude, bring your education, bring your resume, uh, bring your desire to learn. 
and engage and meet some of the most outstanding professional people in this country. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you you triggered something. I want to give a shout out to some of Just the. Just call me Trigger. Trigger. <laughs> I, t- I take that back. Okay. <laughs> um, some of our BDPA sponsors uh, for the conference include State Farm, Johnson and Johnson, Miller Coors. Eli Lilly, HP, uh, McDonald's, those, that's just a very small list. There's over 75 sponsors signed up. And the full agenda for the conference is now posted on the website. So you can see, uh, again, it goes from Wednesday to Saturday, uh, full of activities. Um, and, and this year we're bringing some new things. So um, I think that you will thoroughly enjoy it. So just go out there, uh, browse vdpa.org. Um, and again, B2T is um, collaborating with them on that workshop. So I have, a, I have a homework assignment for everyone in this last couple of minutes. Let us know what you think about negotiation. Do you get enough time on negotiation on your job? Uh, do you have some tips or tricks that work with you on salary negotiation? Who do you think is more responsible for the negotiation piece with the stakeholders? Is it the PM? Is it the BA? We'd love to to hear your feedback, and we'd love to hit Coop up with a bunch of questions uh, to see how he does, uh, how he responds to you, if he has uh, different advice or experiences. Um, and, of course, we want to learn from you, too. You all have uh, experience and, and um, you know, Maybe there's a technique that we didn't cover that works for you. So we'd like to hear from you. Email us, call us, you know, visit our website, the new website, uh, check out the app, download the app, email. Like I said, um, we're all about helping you connect, connecting with us. This is your platform. So anything we can do, uh, you know, to cover those topics, to provide that information that inspires you. Absolutely. We are your portal. We are your technology espresso portal. And for now, we hope you've had a enjoyed tonight's show. Please share it with others. And again, want to thank Jovan for being on the line with thank us Yvonne. tonight. And um, to all our other listeners and, and guests and followers, thank you, David. And um, yes, uh, visit our website again at technologyexpresso.com. We just relaunched it. Get out there, bounce around, tell us how you like it, tell us what you think about, tell us what you like to see and what you like to hear. We work for you. And that's all for this evening. But stay tuned uh, for more uh, from our sponsors on some upcoming events. And again, thank you, and see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. BDPA is an international organization with a diverse membership of professionals and students at all levels in the fields of information technology, computer science, and related STEM fields. Members are actively engaged in serving the community through outreach and charting the future of the IT industry. The BDPA's model is advancing careers from the classroom to the boardroom. For the last 38 consecutive years, BDPA has held national conferences. This year's event will be held August 10th through the 13th at the West End Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. Registration is now open. 
Visit BDPA.org to find out more about local chapters. BDPA has over 46 chapters across the United States and is always looking to launch new chapters. BDPA also has student information, technology education, and scholarship programs, and even a national high school computer competition program. Students have the opportunity to learn and explore potential careers in technology, as well as learning leadership skills to work well with the team. Students that participate in the computer competition can win college scholarships from major corporations looking for young talent. BDPA's National Conference also includes a career fair for job seekers. So mark those dates, August 10th through the 13th at the Westin Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. Register early and pass it on. The technology industry will continue to have jobs and business opportunities. Technology skills and aptitude will be a must for all. Industries and tech-related skills will allow job seekers to demand higher salaries. If you are a minority serious about a career in IT and you are not a member of BDPA, you are not really serious about your future. So log on now to BDPA.org to get started. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. BTT Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. Did you know that Coop is the president of BTT Training? If you like what you heard today, join us for one of our upcoming public classes to learn the business analysis tips, techniques, and best practices that he's talking about. We have several classes coming soon to Atlanta. Our Essential Skills for Business Analysis class will be offered May 16th to the 19th in Atlanta, which will be taught by Jacqueline, by the way, as well as July 25th through the 28th in Chicago. Essential Skills is our most popular and highest rated course. It's appropriate for beginners or experienced analysts needing to refresh or hone their skills. We also have a session of our Agile Value Management course scheduled for June 7th through June 9th. Jacqueline will also be teaching this class here in Atlanta. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. After each of our classes, we also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about these public class offerings and others or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866 675 2125. Follow us on social media and visit bdttraining.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase, full steam ahead to 41411. 
Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, launch. National BDPA Individual Pay Setters Awards recognizes members who have demonstrated exceptional results in one of three categories, career achievement, community service, and technology excellence. Nominations are accepted and evaluated by a team of National BDPA members. Nominations are due July 1, 2016, and one winner will be selected per category and announced on July 10th. 2016. Also, the prestigious Top Companies for Blacks in Technology Award is presented annually during the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Fair to the company that best demonstrates a workplace and environment that supports the advancements of African Americans in the information technology industry. Each year, National BDPA surveys Fortune 1000 companies to make assessments of their internal workplace and career development climates. Submit to awards at bdpa.org. That's awards at bdpa.org. As always, thank you for supporting BDPA, and thank you for supporting Technology Expresso Information Cafe.